another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Of course, I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I'm John. I'm Steve. And our guests today are Fisk, with all capital letters, because there's no way to say capital letters. I guess I could go, Fisk! And that conveys all capital letters? Well, we have to see how emphatic they are as personalities <laughs> first. And the first song that you heard by the band is Down and Dirty, which was what we opened the show with. We have in studio Brandon and Freddie. Thank Hello. you, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I know Freddie, I met him through the burlesque scene, um, he's friends with Rachel Shank, who's been a previous guest on the podcast, and, um, I believe back then when you were still doing stand-up, you mm-hmm. asked, hey, I also have a band, can, can we bring a band, can I bring a band on your show? And so, mm-hmm. this is a long time in the making, so thank you for joining us, guys. Um, if you want to give the, uh, listeners an intro, like, talk about what instruments you play in the band, and, uh, talk cool. a little bit about your background, maybe? Yeah, um, so I play, uh guitar in the band and I I write a lot of the lyrics and then I sing Uh, and then on this latest EP I play bass as well Uh, I play drums I hit things and I sometimes yell behind you at least live (laughs) and then you consider it background yeah background vocals uh, it's noise that's for sure so you're there you're you're present I'm there I'm present yeah I add and you're noticeable you're noticeable (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so let's start talking about that since you mentioned the new EP um, Mm -hmm. which uh, tell the listeners the title and a little bit about that new EP yeah sure so uh, we, we recorded uh, this EP called Stun to Kill. Uh, it's a four-song EP, just for kind of crowdsourcing, uh, or trying to get crowdsourcing for an album coming out uh, or recording beginning of next year. So this is a, kind of like our proof of concept for some of those songs. Um, we recorded with a good friend of ours, Matt Sullivan, who's in a, a pop-punk band called My Kind of Fire. They just completed their first uh, East Coast tour. So we recorded oh, nice. that yeah, at his, uh, his spot called Capture Sound Studio at, uh, in Greenpoint, um, literally from like 8 p.m. till 5 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was fun. Were you uh, lucid at the end of the ordeal? Uh, no. I, I, you could say I was super lucid, if that makes sense. <laughs> Hypersensitive to every little detail. Partaking in some substances that uh, yeah, yeah, added yeah. to lucidity, I think. Not much got done past midnight. I think that's a good rule of thumb for any recording session. <laughs> sure. Plus, we had friends in the studio, so uh, it was a mess. Uh, 
<laughs> but that first yeah. song, Down and Dirty, is from that EP that's, that, yeah. that's coming yeah. out. And um, yeah. also a song we're featuring at the end of the episode, Red Eye Flight, will also be from that EP. Yes. Um, and then we have something special for the middle of the episode. Yes, we do. But, but that song also will be featured on the EP as well? Or that's that's on that was in their last one. Yeah. Oh, that was from the last, last EP, one. right. Yeah, but, uh, we released one, what, like three months ago, four yeah, months ago? Three months ago. And that was our first venture into uh, just saying, let's do an EP. Let's get into the studio. Let's not, like overwhelm ourselves into making it perfect or making it uh, way too complicated. It's just, let's put down some tracks, let's throw them out there, get some ears on it, and, uh, you know, try to just get our sound out there. And you can definitely tell the difference between our first EP and our second EP, because, well, one, Grady also, yeah. edit our, he was editing, he did mastering on the second one, so we had some different ears on that as well, so... Yeah, I mean, the way... Like the world is now, and and our culture is now. It's it's very uh, it's it's you know it's internet age and it's social media. So it's all about instant gratification and instant validation. So if you're taking too much time to release content as opposed to just always continuously you know spinning out things, people forget about you very quickly. I feel like. Well, here's the big question: Did you always consider yourself a garage rock band? Because there is this association with the garage rock name as perhaps being the kind where you don't have to be a perfectionist with everything, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that also doesn't imply that you can just like, you know, sort of coast. But had you always considered yourself that? Uh, I think if anyone listens to my guitar parts, they know I'm not too focused on perfection. <laughs> <laughs> are you that focused on genrefying yourself? Uh, I don't know. I think I think we have some songs that are a little bit slower and don't necessarily fit that kind of, that, that kind of thing. I think best label we can come up with is is kind of like garage rock or garage punk sure yeah um because we the band proto we were in before proto punk yeah the band we were in before um paper street panic we had an issue with everything there was a certain pretentiousness to it and this everything has to be perfect and exactly right. just like this and exactly right and and we took too much time fiddling around with stuff as opposed to just focusing on having fun and just making fun enjoyable music right yeah when we started um, yeah. like the other band like kind of fell apart well one member decided to leave and Freddie and I looked at each other and we're like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, let's play some fucking rock and roll. Let's just... We can curse, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Let's and play the evening with implies we're a little looser. We've also had Nelson Lugo on three, time, three times, oh, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And, on the yeah. and then on the third time, like he cursed so many times, Steve said, I give up. Yeah, <laughs> I used to bleep. <laughs> bleep out the curses, but now um, now we just, we roll with it. Okay. Yeah. So, Let's play some lovely rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing. We just want to make fun music. We wanted music. We, we kind of described it. Uh, as house party destruction music, just something you would hear at a, some grungy basement or something somewhere. Just, I just didn't want to have the uh, uh, any restraints on it. Just have a good time. Just have fun. And when we, when our last band broke up, me and him wanted to keep making music. I had been playing bass for 15 years, and I didn't really play guitar that much. And I don't like singing or being a frontman at all. <laughs> like it's not. I'm slowly kind of working my way into liking it, but I, I didn't like it. And so we, we, you know. I just kind of swallowed it and was like, "Hey, let's let's do it." And so we um we went to see a concert of a band I really like called the Code Hangers. They're an all yeah. You're you're wearing their shirt. Yeah, I'm wearing indeed. their shirt. I was staring at that as you said it. It was oh, a little weird. Almost awesome. wore the, uh, He's reading my mind. Shirt. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're an all female like garage punk kind of surf influence band from Georgia. Um, but there's just like an energy to them that we really enjoy that they don't they don't care about. Uh, everything being perfect and so we kind of took a took a note from them well i think like this idea of everything being processed and perfect is yeah. is problematic for sure um i want to ask so obviously since fisk is is young is not as old as your career is just playing music in general mm -hmm. um 
how did you come up with the name for the band Fisk? And also, how long have you guys been playing music since it's obviously longer than the band has been around? Yeah, I've been playing music off and on for 15 years now. Okay. I was in a punk band when I was a lot younger for about five or six years, and we had a couple like DIY CDs we put out, and we toured with some bands that kind of, like the Menzingers, which a band... Oh, like, cool, we, we, yeah, we, played we reviewed the Menzingers. We reviewed them about 12 yeah. episodes ago, episode yeah. 199, oh, wow. check it out, featuring Matt Dorsey. <laughs> yeah, we uh, they opened for us way back when at this little room in Trenton, and so... I played, you know, music there, and I got really into stand-up, and I did that for seven years, and I studied with UCB, and music kind of went on the wayside, even though I still played at home and, and did covers by my in my room by myself, <laughs> of my own little concerts. I featured on some of my friends' live stuff, like a friend Mark McQueen, who does glam rock, and so I would play guitar for him. Oh, cool. And it wasn't until uh, Grady and Brandon, who were in a band called Assorted Animals, uh, when their band broke up, that they approached me to make a new band called Paper Street Panic. And that fell apart. Right. And then Fisk yeah, was born. Exactly. Then, yeah, Fisk was born. Out of the so. ashes. Well, are you present on other previous bands' like discographies as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Paper Street Panic. Paper Street Panic. Awesome. We have our Actually, full album. Full album. Yeah. Awesome. Unfortunately, which never <laughs> came out <laughs> months after we broke up, which kind of sucks. But uh, it's there. It's, yeah. it's there. It's for posterity. It's in the yeah. resume. And Brent, how long have you been playing drums for? Um, I started when I was like in fifth grade, so I've been playing drums for over twenty years now. Oh, so you're one of those kids that your yeah. parents willingly bought you a drum set? Oh no! They, oh no! <laughs> they willingly bought me drum sticks. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know where it would go from there. As a fifth grader, he went yeah, to black exactly. market. He I started, piece by I started piece. doing paradiddles on a practice pad, hmm. and then the moment I knew the moment where I was like behind a drum set it was like a middle school. Christmas concert and we were playing Mannheim Steamroller <laughs> and someone's like someone needs to play the drum set on this and I'm like I'll do it me, me. I'm like oh this is great and then like played you know pet band stuff and all those classics and it was the uh, summer of my from my junior to my senior year in high school my cousin just started playing bass and he's like oh yeah we're like messing Anthony? around yeah Anthony uh, he's a phenomenal bass player and uh, he was always into the, like, hard rock, metal, like, Metallica, like, things like that. And I went to the garage with them, and I got behind the drum set, and they started playing Seek and Destroy by Metallica, and I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to play drums. I want to, yeah. I want to be in a garage. Yeah, <laughs> that summer. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to leave this garage. I, my grandmother bought me this ridiculous, like, eight-piece Ludwig drum set from, like, 1979, and I would sit in her garage practicing, God, uh, the Four Horsemen over and over again. And that was, you know, I, that was it. I was like, I like a double pedal, and I and I like heavy. And and then I played throughout college and played in cover bands in college. And well, and then I was also getting a theater degree, so it's always been theater or music. It's okay. always been like one or the other. Um, performance, you know, I. I I just love being out there. You're good with the stage. Exactly. And then I moved to New York, and I was like, okay, I could spend $1,000 on headshots and get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to a cattle call to be told I'm too short for this role. And then I met Grady, and I'm like, or we could just start a band. <laughs> <laughs> and I started playing with Grady, and uh, it just it just clicked, and I've been playing music ever since. I think there is that years. comfort with uh, starting a band or with music in general where, I mean, perfectionism aside, you can at least control your own destiny. Exactly. It's, you know? it's a lot more accessible. Yeah. Um, it's more on your terms yeah. as opposed to, you know, you don't have to go to a casting director and 
be told, you know, this is you're too fat or you're not tall enough or, you know, it's it's no, we want a big we want to play a show. Let's book it. Let's find it. Do yeah. you still pursue acting at all now? Not as much. I miss it. Um yeah. but I, I I get a performance out of the drums. Too. Sure. I consider myself like almost a lead drummer in the sense that I go crazy behind the drums. I like, mean, that's the thing about music too is like cuz acting is catching up to that like music has had internet access and like mm-hmm. accessibility mm-hmm. for a little bit longer as far as making your yeah. own stuff. Whereas now people are doing web series that are even yeah. more popular than TV shows and you know are getting more access than TV shows. And so there is that outlet for acting too, but I think music will still always be more accessible cuz you can do it by yourself if you yeah. really wanted to and make Quality, yeah. Acting, stuff. acting relies on other people, unless right. you want to be you a one-man show. Yeah, which there are plenty so of those, but it's harder yeah. to do that on the internet. A one-man show. I feel like one-man show requires a live audience. It requires like workshopping. Well, then you have to be seen more as a producer than necessarily as an actor. There's right. only one component. Yeah. So, so I think that that's part of it too, which is interesting. Now, you guys also mentioned like glam rock, heavy metal. You mm-hmm. went through a lot of different sounds. How did you really? Like, focus in on what you're producing now. Like, is it just because it's, the, it's what you two just love together, or what? Uh, it's interesting, because you mentioned uh, metal growing yeah. up. And I didn't listen to metal growing up. I listened to a lot of, like, uh, punk rock and skate punk and stuff like that. And I started wanting to play music because my cousin, ironically enough, just like your cousin, mm-hmm. he was playing guitar, and he was in a band, and my I bought a bass to be in his band <laughs> when I was, like, 13. And Thanks, like, cousins. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> there you go. And then I was in a band with him, uh, and it was interesting we'll say that um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's kind of a yeah it's, it's kind of a blend of our of our mutual taste I think we, you know rock and roll in general you know whether he's specializing more in metal or I specialize more in punk rock it, you know we can find a middle ground where we kind of come together and where would you say your biggest influences just following up on that like each of you since you, you're, you're more punk and he's more metal who would you oh, say man. like especially like let's say your bass playing versus your singing if that's even different influences too oh yeah like just the way I play in terms of bass playing I was super influenced uh, I mean I took five years of music theory lessons so a lot of that's influenced by like walking bass lines and, and blues and jazz and I mean Jaco Pastorius for bass is like one of my oh, all time awesome. favorite musicians <laughs> same um, here but I got into bass originally from listening to Matt Freeman from Rancid. Oh, sure, and, of course. You know, and, and that kind of stuff originally. Um, in terms of playing guitar, it's just uh, the kind of stuff I like as like uh, like the Dead Boys, uh, the New York Dolls, kind of like proto-punk is really what's been influencing me a lot lately with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, lately it's been a, a lot of, um, uh, like I said, it was, well, like for like recent stuff, Menzingers is a good influence, right. Wolf Alice. I started listening to modern yeah. baseball recently, I've heard of them. which is interesting. Yeah, uh, but the Coat Hangers is another huge one. Um, the Waves are always a really good one. Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. I'm a little bit all Yeah, I just play what comes natural, I guess. And for you, Brandon? Well, like um, I've always, you know, Metallica was like the Wait, gateway. You like Metallica? I know. Get out of here, right? Um, and I've always, I mean, my double. Wait, I have to interrupt. If so you like Metallica, sloppy. have you heard their new single? I have. And what do you think I dig of it? it? I dig it. Do I you? really dig See, it. See, and I'm, I'm conflicted because every time they record something new, like I love their new bassist. I think he's fantastic. Oh yeah, I love. Him. But yeah, it was amazing. Uh, but their drums always sound different on every record since Reload, and I liked Reload, but pretty much since Reload. Every record they've put out, their drums have not sounded the same. No. And it sounds weird to well, me. Since Saint Anger, God, Stanger oh. was garbage. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, their new single, I think, is really good. They're still, hard, like, it's like they're trying so hard to be like, no, 
no, we're still like hard and we're going back to our roots. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it, it seems genuine enough. Yeah, I would say it's, it's more also, genuine than their other stuff. You can also tell that they're getting a little older. You know, yeah. it's like oh. Good job. Guys. I ran into that problem with Megadeth. I'm a big Megadeth <laughs> oh, fan, Megadeth. and I love I love David Mustaine. Um, but their last album, which I I toyed with these guys Dystopia? and said I might bring it on. No, they have an album oh. after Dystopia, but it sounds exactly like Dystopia. Yeah. And so I was like, mm-hmm. like I sampled the songs and like the first three tracks on the new record sounded identical, like yeah. almost identical. I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to do this. I'll album. listen to it again. Yeah. Um, so um, what? But, oh, were, yeah. Um, like they were definitely influences, but my my father always brought me up on like classic rock. Okay. Um, he loves the Rolling Stones, and he made sure that I listened to the Who. He made sure that I listened <laughs> to Zeppelin, and like John Bonham. Oh my God! Like I am a heavy hitter, and I know that I'm channeling my inner Bonham when it comes sure, to to drumming and and Keith Moon too, just going nuts. Like if. Keith Moon and John Bonham had a baby, it might be me. That's, okay. why, that's why we <laughs> yeah. make sure Brandon takes lots of horse tranquilizers yeah. every single <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, so essentially Brandon's like animal from the Muppets. Like if you don't he keep really him is. chained up, like no, he'll like, lose control. I've gotten that comparison so many times. <laughs> that's no, great. Yeah, for sure. I remember one time we were playing a show and I turned around and I'd, I sound, it sounded like the, the toms were being hit, but the cymbals were being hit, and like it sounded strange. And I look up, and he's standing up and walking. You're playing around your drum set. He's like pretty much yeah. walking around his drum set. I picture so you like nice. after playing a song, you just stand there going, ah, ah, oh yeah. So you're never like in the market for some extra cardio or anything. No, no, I'm good. Yeah, I I don't need a gym membership. Yeah. Um, it's like running a marathon every time. Yeah, you're soaked after every... <laughs> I am, like, it is disgusting. We're both soaked after our, our concerts. It's mainly because I'm fat, but you're mainly because you move around a lot. <laughs> Different reasons. I, I guess, guess so. Well, yeah, I'm, And I'm really not that in shape either, honestly. This is the only exercise I get, so... <laughs> I, I should really do it more often. <laughs> exercise or drumming? Uh, no, drumming is my exercise. Oh, you, should, just, you should just... Once a week, I should maybe, you know, make it three times. Because <laughs> I'm not the most in shape either, so. Yeah. But well, I get it, I get it at least. Well, you guys have definitely honed the live feel. How long have you been playing live? Is it about as long as you've been in all those groups? Like, how, what did it well, take like, you from the time you picked up your instrument to get on stage the first oh, time? Uh, uh, do, do, like, recitals count? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, like, that first... Christmas concert was mine. Yeah, I mean, probably within a year of me playing bass or a year or two, I, I was doing like kind of like rock recitals with my my guitar teacher and stuff. And then, I think by the third year I was playing, I was in a band and we were playing shows. So, yeah, yeah pretty pretty quickly. High school for me, and I I mean, being the theater person or like that constant need for attention because <laughs> I have obviously deep-seated issues with... Uh, well, I mean, you, you're also in a band with a comedian, and comedians exactly. are notorious for having, hey, look at me. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? I'm getting Get itchy. We're not, we're not theater majors at all. <laughs> um, yeah, like, being in the pet band, like, and, like, playing at basketball games or, or football games, like, I would own that. Like, I... We did Indigata DeVita... And All 16 minutes? <laughs> I, they gave me my own solo for it. So I was making up. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off, guys. And like, e- like the other bands from the other, like schools were like afraid. Because like, oh, I would bring my full kit too. Oh, like I had like six toms and five cymbals and 
Like, that's when I was like, yeah, I like performing and I like playing these drums. And yeah, that's about 15 years now, I would say. And and Fisk has been around for how long again? <laughs> like nine months. Nine, nine months. months. So it's rest months. months. It's really. But so we've been playing together for like together two for years. Yeah, and years. and when did the other band break up? How long ago was that? So, March? uh, yeah. So we, it's all relatively recently mm-hmm. that this happened. It's all relatively recently. We played with Paper Street Painting for about a year and a half, I guess. And I was doing yeah. stand up at the same time, and then. Uh, you know, we had to like. It was a weird group. We had to like. We dressed up for Paper Street Panic. Like I did like. Full, I like doing that. We we were, we were like purple formal wear, and then like oh, I, I did, remember seeing yeah, photos. Yeah, I did of like that. bruising makeup, like a broken uh-huh. nose, and uh, the guitar so like a black eye, um, and. You know, it was just weird. I don't know. Weird for you. like Weird for me. Well, see, I played with Grady in a previous band, in Assorted Animals. It's so convoluted, this history. <laughs> I know. Like, it's all we'll, we'll, we'll drop a timeline. So this is just like a yeah, phase exactly. in your life. You could be gone tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no, no. yeah. Uh, <laughs> So much for uh, content, staying um, on the internet. Relevant. Yeah, so I was running a, a stand-up and burlesque show, and then uh, that got canceled. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on music. We're working on an album. You know, we took the, we've been out in, the stu- in and out of the studio. We worked on it the last couple of months. And then that was in December, and then like January, February, we're about to finish the album. Nothing happens really. We're just waiting on Grady to finish his vocals, and then he hit us up after like we finally did the last session of the vocals, and he was like, "Hey, uh, let's go for a walk." And I was, you know, it was that whole we need to talk. We need to talk. It was was like a a breakup, and he was like, "So." I just don't want to play live anymore. I'm going to make a rap album in my apartment. And we're like, okay. Yeah. Cool. He was like, he just didn't want to be a front man anymore. Yeah. And for me, I'd been playing with the guy for like eight years now. Yeah. Wow. Off and on, yeah. Well, that was the first band I started in New York. And our first show, our first band was John McClane and the Die Hards. <laughs> we, were, we were a cover band. But as our former singer used to say, like, we're not, we're not your daddy's cover band, but we did bone your mom. Because <laughs> we made the covers our own. We made them heavy. We oh, made awesome. them fun. And our first show was like, gosh, in 2009? Shillelis? No, uh, it was at it was uh, New Year's Eve. And it was at, oh, God, Gavin DeGraw's place. The Underground? No. I don't Something know. like that. I don't think the club exists anymore. But we played our set, and they were like, could you guys play upstairs? And we're like, this is all we know. We don't know any other songs. Uh, and like, so Grady and I started a band after that, and then we started Assorted Animals, which has uh, a glorified EP on Spotify. And, yeah, um, that's what, 10 songs? Yeah, uh, nine right? songs? Nine songs? It's good. You guys have like a that. music video. One yeah, a really good music video, wow. actually. Really proud of that music video. Um, and then our, we had a keyboard player, a female vocalist and keyboard player. She moved to Philly. We fell apart, and then Grady and I were like, what are we going to do? Let's play some more rock and roll. And we're like, let's hit up Freddie. Yeah. And then we started that, and then we... we the group this. is getting smaller. As yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. No, the, uh, I sort of it was just three. Yeah. We were just three. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean shaving away the dead wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, and then he was just like, I, you know, I'm kind of done. I'm, I'm spent. And I'm like, we're like, okay. Yeah. Like, so... And so where did the, the, circling back, where did the band name Fisk come oh, from? The name. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to call ourselves, because we're, we're super nerds. I mean, I, I am a huge comic book fan, obviously. Yeah. I was so, wondering if it had anything to do with Wilson Fisk yeah. after the Kingpin. Yeah, oh, wow. wow. So we wanted, we wanted to call ourselves the Murdochs. Oh, nice. Uh, but it was taken of by course. a band in Texas. Uh, so you, you know. became their arch nemesis. Yep. Yeah. So we, we went. And we used to type, Yeah, we decided to do Fisk instead. That's after, awesome. after Wilson Fisk, just because we yeah. wanted a sort of Manhattan 
you know, based uh, comic book name. I mean, and you know what? Actually, like, after reading the name, like, I thought to myself, I wonder if it's related to Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And then, and of course it does. If you're a fan of Daredevil, it rings of New York. Like, yeah. Wilson Fisk yeah. controlled New York. So it, it, that's, that's, and it's relevant now with the new uh, Netflix series. Yeah. And yeah. you would love, we That have means a, you can never move, though. Yeah. <laughs> no. <It's a> <laughs> exactly. You have to stay in New York forever. Uh, we actually yeah. had us, we all have to shave our heads and wear white suits. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. New band aesthetic and gain 300 pounds. Yeah. Well, I'm working the house right now, so I'm getting there. Hey, control um, your own destiny, right? Um, but we actually, you would, you would have loved it, but we uh, we don't, we didn't really make the cut, but we used to have a song we play live called Kilgrave, which was all about oh. Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah. awesome. Which was awesome. That's cheesy, really cool. But, um, do, you, do you have any plans to do anything kind of nerdier with your music and maybe do stuff related to comic books and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah. I'm not opposed. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not opposed to it. It's just one of those things that you just haven't really talked about, but you're, are you both big nerdy comic book oh, yeah. fans? Yeah, Love it. I mean, you see the shirt he's wearing right now? Oh, that's yeah. true. It's like all it's the famous, like, uh, murdery, like, uh, horror movie characters. Yeah. Horror movie characters. Um, Three points if you can name all of them. Exactly. It's stitched like a Christmas it's, sweater. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, really awesome, actually. I love I mean, the shirt. I got, I mean, I, I got a spaceship tattoo. I got a Joker card, a I, fucking I saw the do, symbol. Do, do panic on the underarm. Do panic on the underarm. There you go. All right, big nerdy, nerdy. Well, because, like, there are a lot of, like, as far as nerdy music goes, I listen to a lot of nerdcore rap, which yes. I know you're familiar with as well, yeah, totally. uh, mm-hmm. Freddie. But um, you know Schaefer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Schaefer. I'm, I'm, I've seen him. I'm yeah, pretty good friends with Schaefer. That's why he's he's, he's awesome. Been on. He's been on the yeah. show. Been on. Too. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 I um, you probably would have. Been. But and there's less nerd rock bands. Like I interviewed a guy named um, um, Kyle Stevens, who's the lead singer and uh, guitarist for a band called Kirby Crackle, and they do a lot of kind mm-hmm. of like indie pop nerd rock. But I haven't heard a lot of like punk. Nerd rock, and so I'd be curious if you guys like would do something like that. I think that sounds kind of cool. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Cool. Yeah, actually, it would go very well with like early '90s style when they yeah. were really going through the changes in the comic books. Punk would would really fit that to a T in a lot of totally. ways. One especially day. especially Daredevil, the Electra Death. That would have been perfect oh, to sing about. Yeah. All right. That's a great album title, The <laughs> yeah. Electra Death. The Electra Death? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's Just yours. credit us if you use that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, well, you know what? You're right. I'm changing my stage audio. name to Spider Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let them control their own destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, um, exactly. There is something else I want to circle back again to. Uh, yeah. There's two of you. Yeah. I know yeah. you brought on a third person very recently, but... Mm-hmm. There's two of you, but there's there's three instrument lines. Like, yeah, how does that there work? Is. Well, that was new. So we we the last EP was just guitar, and what we were gonna live. Uh, I think I do a really good balance of really uh, the way I set my amp. Is I, really I, cool. I yeah, I, I turn the bass all the way up. I turn the treble relatively down, and the mids are all you pretty pretty close to the low side. Hmm. So you get a really deep sound to a really grungy sound to it. Um, we we've fiddled with the idea of maybe um, playing with an octave pedal. There's a band called Royal Blood. Yeah, um, that was just going to mention just them. a bassist yeah. and a drummer. And we they sound very full. Live, we would have people come into the showroom or people that were in the bar drinking next to the showroom and they'd come in and be like, oh my god, like, I'm amazed. It's just, it's just yeah, two yeah. people. It sounds like four people are in there. Three people are playing. Um, but we just felt, at least on the live recordings, that it just sounded a little too hollow. Mm-hmm. Live, it That's sounds actually cool. something that's been mentioned about the first EP, too. Yeah, yeah, So I recorded the bass lines for it with the knowledge that we had this new bassist coming into it. And so if we're, not, we're like, into the fold. we will, like, no matter who or yeah. what it is, like, we definitely want to involve another musician, for sure. Because yeah, yeah. the duo thing is fun, um, but recording-wise, it's almost more work to, like, <laughs> get a, like, how oh, are we going to get this fuller sound, huh? Mm-hmm. Do we want to do the bass ourselves? Do we want to mess with an octave pedal? Do we want to... Am I going to have to fill in more? Like, mm-hmm. when it's just two of us, I feel more 
onus to like fill that space. It's got to be well, challenging, it's... but it's also like a kind of trial by fire situation oh, totally. where you can really hone your chops. It's something that I really liked about the band Death from Above 1979, yeah, also which is just that duo drums and bass, and I believe the drummer is actually the lead singer, and mm-hmm. they that's the case why it sounds like four people. It sounds like it heavy sounds production like material, yeah, and yet they're more yeah, of a, a garage dance punk atmosphere, and they rock. But I can imagine like in the studio when you're practicing, it, since you have to pre-record one of the two instruments and then try to play along with said instrument if you want to have three lines like you lose something you lose a little bit of that you lose a little bit of like that back and forth between well for rehearsals it was just me him playing guitar and bass that's what we just did live and then in terms for the bass lines I mean I'm just playing to myself like it's (laughs) me playing the bass so it's like I don't have to worry too much about it I mean this but now now it's a matter of like going back and like getting this bassist up to speed and teaching her the bass lines that I wrote uh, for practices and stuff. I don't know. It's not, it's not too but much. But who knows what kind of flair she's going to add. You know, adding an, yeah. another musician. Sure. And she, I'm sure she'll take what you wrote as far as bass lines and then kind of make it her own a little bit too. Yeah, totally. And so I think that's interesting when bands get to do that. And the fact that you guys are so fresh and that you're kind of just starting mm-hmm. will allow you to evolve together even mm-hmm. though you're just bringing her we on. We already have like evolved from our songwriting has just grown up. And so do you both do the writing? Like for this new EP, did you both write it? I help arrange for the most part. Yeah. Okay. And I'm a terrible lyricist, so I have nothing <laughs> to do with the words. Yeah. And so, so you do a lot of like the guitar line and mm-hmm. the and the, the actual lyrics. Yeah. So I I like I said I'm not, I never wanted to be a lead singer really, <laughs> and it's not something I was super confident with, especially with singing. Um, Which is shocking to me because you were a stand-up comedian. Because the old adage I hear yeah. is like, all comedians want to be rock stars and all rock stars want to be yeah. comedians. Yeah. Uh, I just was never super confident in my singing voice. And then Got when it. I was in a punk band, my, my singer, who was also my cousin, was also just like, you can't sing. Like, you can't sing. Like, I'm uh, going to be the singer. The like, yeah, it was like kind of a, e- a little bit of an ego thing. Yeah. And that kind of turned me off from singing for a while. Um, but we didn't have any options. So right. I had to be the singer. Um, so yeah, I write, I write the guitar parts. I come up with something. At, usually at home, I'll come up with a, a chorus, uh, like a, something I'll stick in my head, some sort of phrase or line that kind of sets the, the mood for the song. Mm-hmm. And I'll record uh, a chorus to, the, to that, and then I'll build verses around the chorus. Okay. Essentially. And so do you, so you always start, do you start with the actual uh, music first and then write lyrics? Or will you like sing a line and then build music typically, around it? Typically, I start with the, the line of the chorus is mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I build, a cor- I build the, the music to the chorus around that one line uh-huh. and then I build the verses off of that chorus. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of, I kind of build everything backwards, I guess. And yeah. then I bring it to him in the studio and a lot of times we'll just jam instrumentally until we get the music down and then I'll bring yeah. the, the lyrics in after that. That's a much more specific answer than we usually get. Yeah, usually, like whatever yeah. Like one or the first. other. No, yeah. I, pull, I pull it out of the ether and just like <laughs> oh, throw it man. at the paper just, and what sticks is what's produced. Me, what I do is I burn sage and I get a scrying mirror <laughs> and I read my fortune and then Athena <laughs> tells me. I go in the corner, I try to find myself. <laughs> That's called masturbation. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Where is it? <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, All right, guys, I gotta go find myself. I'll be back. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? Well, like sometimes, like uh, with the with the oh, song you, you heard in the, the beginning, a lot. Yeah, you like you had an idea. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'll start a beat, and that's how darn it down and dirty got. Like, yeah, exactly. So, and that's how we wrote it because. We yeah. just had this idea, and we literally wrote that in like two takes. Yeah, we, we and like I mean, we not that it's like super. It's we're not. This isn't. Yeah, not that a it's fucking a, rush song. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, there was this band called uh, Molotov. This uh, 
uh, Mexican rock band that's been around for a while, and they had this really cool song called uh, "Here We Come" that has these these stops. Mm-hmm. And so I I told Branson, let's make a song like that. Let's you mm-hmm. know, let's just do like a rock song with these cool stops. And he's like, I just want to make a song that's just fucking down and dirty, man. And so <laughs> we just started playing this opening riff, and that's I just started yelling that over top of the opening riff. <laughs> and then the second time I would stop because like you wanted to do the stops. And I would do and the then... guitar fills. So like, and, oh. so we kind of built it around the idea that that's what he said he wanted the song to be. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's actually a really cool origin for a song, and not yeah. typical. Usually, like mm-hmm. song, I find most songs lately, at least, especially in rock and roll, have some kind of greater narrative or some kind of like theory or like (laughs) but I think that's really cool to just kind of have this kind of simple like idea of what you want it to sound like and then build the entire song around it yeah I mean the verses so Down and Dirty is just like the song how he described how he wanted it to sound but the actual lyrics of the song have a lot to do with maybe the idea of uh, like seeing someone at a show or a concert and wanting to hook up with them just a kind of sexy rock tune yeah because Down and Dirty just sounds it sounds dirty like filthy sexy Yeah. 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 yeah and so that's where that kind of comes from so it started as one thing and became something completely different. That's awesome. Um, do you find when you're creating, because you said you start with the chorus and usually a mm-hmm. line, do you have some kind of narrative in your head for some of those songs or is it usually just more about being catchy or kind of having a hook? Um, sometimes. It depends. A lot of times, I mean, just just random thoughts if something kind of sticks in my head as an interesting kind of, kind of, if it just like lyrically sounds interesting to me I can build a narrative off of that Got it. if it sounds odd or just jumps out to me certain songs uh, have a very distinct narrative to write I wrote it for a purpose like Spaceman I wrote because uh, I wrote the day David Bowie died oh okay so mm-hmm. that, that yeah, yeah. That's... so I wrote that about David Bowie essentially uh, and it's funny I didn't equate else. that immediately but the thing is I, I listened to the song and I, you did write a blurb where it was actually like mentioned oh this is a yeah, David yeah. Bowie thing but I didn't think of that at the time that you were recording that for us and then I was like this has kind of a David Bowie thing going for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, but eh, it, so it would shows. you say you were very influenced by David Bowie? I mean, yeah. I feel like everyone who likes yeah. music at all. Well, yeah. Yes. Um, who isn't? I mean, who hasn't looked at that bulge and labyrinth? I mean, geez, <laughs> yeah. it's very influencing. Uh, no, for, for sure, his music is very influential. I mean, just his his career is so um, so eclectic and so so. Mm-hmm. His catalog just it changes drastically from from just the beginning to the end. There's so many different styles and things brought into it. It's just. His uh, his charisma and his theatrics are well, it's hard not to be influenced by. He's the prototype of the perfect rock star. Yeah, I mean, he really is. What we really all want to be, you know, like as much as we want to say oh, it's just rock and roll, like we want we want to be David Bowie because like, he's kind on, of done right? everything. Yeah. I totally forgot he did a song with Trent Reznor until I rewatched yeah. it recently, oh, and it's one of the America. best music videos I've ever seen. That's a, it's a mm-hmm. killer song. And, and I completely forgot that. And I've been a long-time Nine Inch Nails fan. I've been a long-time Bowie fan. And then like people, when, when he passed away and people were resharing tons of stuff mm-hmm. that's been around forever, I watched that video. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. Like, it was in the back of my mind somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it totally became familiar again once I watched it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this exists. David Bowie's this weird enigma of a person just in the sense that he's everything. He's like an everyman. Girls yeah. find him sexy. Guys find mm-hmm. him sexy. He's incredibly interesting in his lyrics and incredibly... Dancy and fun at the same time. He's just he's very well rounded as an artist. Well, right, as just as much pop as he is alternative. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and just as deep as sometimes as he wants to be. Just just uh, fun as you know, and other yeah. songs. Yeah, I mean, think about a song like "Let's Dance," which yeah. is kind of yeah. the the prototype of the lack of substance pop we have now. And but at the time, it was still kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. Like that song coming out now it wouldn't be, surprise anybody. It could be yeah. prog, but it has a very defined structure also. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think this is a great. Song segue then to go into the second song which we're featuring which is live as opposed to the the mm-hmm. actual mm-hmm. recorded EP song um, the guys wanted to do something live for us and so we have a live version of Spaceman so enjoy that and we'll be right back awesome
Once again, that was Spaceman, a Bowie-influenced song by uh, yeah. Fisk. In a two-man acoustic version. Yes. yes. Um, uh, the Daredevil-influenced band Fisk is on the show today. Um, so, uh, you know, we did mention, teased before, about how you have a new in-studio bassist and a new mm-hmm. band member, CC, um, uh, who couldn't join us today. Um, tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Uh, Donald Trump, really. CC. <laughs> what? As our, uh, our new bassist. Yeah, she was so... I'll start at the beginning. So I knew this band called Black Satellite that plays around the city now. And uh, Rick Cava is their bassist. And I was just looking for bassists, something to felt live shows and just sounds in general. So I hit him up and I was like, hey, you want to play in our band? He's like, I'm kind of busy with Black Satellite. I'll let you know if I know anything. And then he hit me up and he's like, hey, my girlfriend Cece is a bassist in this band called um, Rouge, Rouge Didis, I think it's called. D-I-D-I. It's a weird name. Yeah. It is a weird name. Uh, they're, they're a fun band. And so he's like, their band's breaking up. And I was like, oh, why? 
And he's like, oh, well, uh, CeCe's drummer is a Trump supporter, so she kicked him the fuck out. And so, <laughs> that's, that's the best, and so, like, ridiculous story. Yeah, so, so she hit uh, me up, and she was like, hey, I listened to your EP, I watched all your live videos, and I've been sitting in my room learning your songs, <laughs> and I want to be a part of your band. Uh, do you guys like Donald Trump? And we're like, no. And she's like, oh, I'm on board. That's so funny. Like, it's a starting board. point. That's just so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, now like, you right. technically owe him a little. <laughs> I know. I right? know. We were, we were thinking about, we joked about the idea of, uh, for our full length CD, calling it Make Rock Great Again. <laughs> but I don't want people getting the wrong idea that no. we think we're like a pro-Trump rock band Yeah, that something. would not go well for you, I think. Um, so yeah, she, not in New York, at least. No. Yeah. You wouldn't have the in-joke. <laughs> no, not at all. So she she decided to come on board. Uh, we decided to give her a chance to audition and come in for practices. And uh, she just she was like really enthusiastic, which is like half yeah, to awesome. battle and just really about like oh, I like I love the live sound. Like I love this and the fact that she like sat down and like learned my songs was really weird to me. Sure, of course. But yeah, she came in just like pr- like ready to go. Yeah. Well, this is this is technically the first time you're like the front man. Yeah. Of it ever. Like, yeah. I mean, I know it's a full collaboration between the two of you, but it's like the first time you're both really like taking the reins and producing the music mm-hmm. as opposed to following and learning parts and things like that. So how has that really changed? Because it's new. It's nine months old. New. Yeah, it's it's baby really new. It, baby new. Um, it just came out, baby new. Uh, it's it's weird for me. It's a really weird dynamic. It's not some because we talked earlier about stand up comedy and like yeah. you know everyone in stand up comedy. That's I mean that itself is like a really weird ego driven thing. Just the idea, the idea that I'm on stage, the light is on me. Nobody else can talk. If you can talk, you get knocked. You know you, you get yeah. taken out of the club. Like it's all about what I'm saying, and you have to laugh at what I'm saying. And but. Being a frontman is, is kind of, a lot of people take it in that, that same kind of route, and I am not like that at all. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, because if you see some of our live recordings, I'm shouting and I'm screaming, and then in between songs, I'm like, oh, hey, Karen's here. I'm just like, <laughs> a different person. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. Like, I'm just really shy about it. Um, yeah, but it's, it's weird to kind of have to, to take the, the reins in that sense and like sit down with her and like teach her stuff and, and get her on board. Um, but maybe she, I mean, she was a, she was the front person of her own band and she was, is the singer of that. She was, she wrote a lot of the music and she's like, I don't want to do that anymore. Interesting. You're doing this. So, it's kind of, so she's taking a dynamic change uh-huh. and I'm taking a dynamic change. Do you think in the future as you collaborate and I'm sure she'll join in in the writing process, mm-hmm. do you think you would do a kind of, I don't want to say blank, but they're the only one I can think of at the top of my head of like an alternating yeah. vocalist kind of thing. Is that a, some, a thing that you think she'd want to do? Yeah, I think she is. She's already been very uh, upfront about the idea of like singing harmonies and coming oh, cool. in with me mm-hmm. and awesome. alternating lines. I don't know if she's if she's wants to take as much responsibility as like coming in with her own songs right off the bat and doing her own vocals. But I, I would like to to work her way. That's that. awesome. I think it's a good dynamic because my voice is growly kind of loud sometimes and be nice to get like a, a kind of a, a softer female uh, voice to come we often talk about also when we review albums like when there is a dynamic even if it's two males or two females or male or female if there's a dynamic difference in the voices it adds an effect to a song that mm-hmm. when people sound too similar and harmonizing you kind of it kind of blends the ears get really tired no matter what it is if it's too soft then sometimes it's like I haven't heard anything different for a while or if it's too loud then I haven't heard anything different it doesn't really matter about the intensity it's just I don't know we, we, it's like we all see that waveform in our head subconsciously and if it's too uh, samey then we notice yeah yeah and I, th- I think it's cool also to challenge 
especially since you guys seem to have gone through a lot as far as making music and you've been in a bunch of bands, mm -hmm. to kind of now bring someone into you, you're kind of in the home place of power where you, you, you know where the band is going to a point and you know there's some security in that and you're bringing someone in to build it out. And the fact that she's so enthusiastic must be great too, oh, awesome. just yeah. because you're confident that at least the, there will be a gelling that you, it sounds like there was difficulty with and possibly other bands or just like people mm -hmm. got tired of it. Like because she's enthusiastic, you know this could go somewhere because she's as energized as you are. Yeah, I think that's half the battle is just, is just getting someone super enthusiastic. And like to, to a degree, it's a little uh, strange to me. Sure. Just, just, it's, it's just very foreign to just have one come up to, someone come up to me and be like, I learned your music. And to be like, <laughs> oh, okay. As opposed to just, oh no, it was a great song. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, it's yeah, like, yeah. no, I discovered the chords. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also just, for the longest time, we were like, do we want a basis? Do we not want a basis? Do we want a basis? Do we not yeah, want a basis? We'll sure. see how it is. We'll try. And it. like, it feels like a natural progression and evolution, and that's an exciting thing to add another person in. Yeah. Because it will naturally evolve, just yeah. like our songs have naturally evolved. Like, it's going to go different places now, and we're going to experiment with different things, and that's exciting, especially with someone who is enthusiastic, who is willing to, you know, learn our stuff. We're still kind of taking the reins, but. It's gonna, you know, those horses are gonna change sometimes. Which means, is, just means I need to learn how to play guitar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get on that. Accountable. Get on that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and I think it's also one of those things that you know, you want, you want that gel to go smoothly mm -hmm. because if it doesn't, I mean, that's how you le it led to other problems in other bands and stuff. And we hear too often, like just, you know, oh, X fall apart. Like uh, Matt Dorsey talked about how stuff just fell apart because, yeah. you know, there was either egos or other stuff. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like you guys are pretty chill and she is too. And I think that's gonna, that would, that helps in this process and, and melding. Totally. And you, you have the EP that's dropping very, very soon. Yeah. If it hasn't already, I'm nah. not 100% sure of the date on that. That's coming out... Uh, next week. By the time this comes out, it'll already be out. Okay. Right. Yeah. I've sent um, the link. <laughs> and you're gonna be working on the LP yeah yeah uh, do you really know like where you want to go uh, beyond besides just you know a full-length album like do you have any ideas that you want to bring forth in future pieces as if they're mm -hmm. eps lps or maybe just one-offs uh i think the idea for us and we were talking about earlier in the the first uh like first part of the podcast is just continuously spinning out content and i think that's something we're going to continue to do whether uh is always put out um EPs every couple of months or yeah. uh, every every three or four months always put out three or four new songs maybe just put out one song always have something coming out and the idea with, that we, we've come up with is that you know we have the first song uh, EP which is four songs the second one is four songs but we've had songs in between there some which don't make the cut some of which aren't recorded yet and so when we crowdsource for the album uh, to be recorded we're going to go upstate to record um, in the beginning of next year there'll be it'll be like half new and half old and that's the idea is that yeah. you know if we write 16 to 20 songs that we've, you know, over the course of a year and, or maybe more, that's 24 songs or something, let's just say. Uh, and then we, you know, we take the time to record an album, maybe only a few will make it on there. Right. You know, it's kind of a weeding out process, but it also allows people just to continuously find us if you're just always spitting out things. Um, in terms of instrumentation and things like I want to do in the future, uh, sitar, very important. <laughs> <laughs> really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, well, I love a good We're, sitar yeah. solo. Distorted ukulele is yeah. definitely. Ukulele. Rachel's been electric, trying to. Rachel's uh, been trying to put that on. Electric this. triangle. I think. Electric triangle. Yeah, electric, no. There's a wait. I mean, electric triangle. Sometimes we, we just we just we, we bring a goat into the in the studio and, and we just smack it and yeah. we just, it yells and we we put distortion on that. It's just. <laughs> As for experimentation, I mean, like. Yeah. There could possibly be maybe a concept album. 
Um, you know, it's yeah, it's as you grow as artists and you discover different things. Like, like we're not like our new song, uh, uh, smile, uh, smile, drift. Oh, smile drift. Yeah, yeah. Um, has a little bit more of a political undertone to it. Yeah, which is something that we haven't you know gotten into. You can especially probably guess in this, what we talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we talk about uh, Ted Cruz now. Uh, uh, no. Um, but also, I'm interested to know, like, so you guys talk about playing live and you enjoy playing yeah. live in the city. Do you guys and you? Done small tours and stuff. You said and played. Uh, we we've done a lot of shows in the city, um, and we're gonna. We our friends uh, band my kind of fire. They do. They just finished their East Coast tour. They're re- they're recording a CD next month uh, mm-hmm. in, in uh, mid October, and they're setting up a second tour next year to do the East Coast again, and then uh, parts of Canada. Yeah. So they're they're probably gonna bring us along for some of those dates. That's uh, awesome to do that. And it's gonna be it's mostly DIY, small basement shows, it's, small yeah. rock clubs, that kind of stuff. That's kind of what you got to do these days. Like mm-hmm. I found that a lot of bands that I've befriended, especially that have started in New York. That's like you reach out on social media and you go, hey, who wants us to play their basement? You know, we can yeah. do this kind of thing. And, and yeah. it seems to work better because you're reaching out to an audience that wants you there as opposed to showing up at a bar that has yeah. a band every night. Well, that's and the that thing. They don't, yeah. and, the, and people are going to drink and not wa- listen to music. I feel like uh, yeah. the, the music industry in general, the music scene, like what I've noticed in the last eight years of playing, it's like... It's almost sad that people don't go out for music as much as they do. Yeah, like specifically like, just for that. I remember taking a one-off show. Like, this was way, way in the beginning. Arlene's Grocery, where the Strokes got their start. I think it might have been a Tuesday. I'm not sure. Like, one of the weekdays. But a band drop, a friend's band of ours dropped out. They said, you want the spot? We're like, hell yeah. That day, we got our stuff together. We went in. Not a single person was in the venue. And I'm like, this is New York City in the Lower East Side. And there isn't a single person in this venue right now. And it just, it's, it's disheartening in a sense because like a DJ is way cheaper. Yeah. Um, A a karaoke machine is way cheaper. Yeah. Or a karaoke host. Um, Like people aren't like, oh, they have live music. That's amazing. Like. And there, I mean, of course, in New York City, have, there's so much. Yeah. But, like, we don't have a CBGBs anymore. Yeah. I mean, I we think don't, there's yeah. no dedicated venues that just you go there to hear mm-hmm. music. That's why I mentioned off air before the Way Station, which mm-hmm. we've mentioned on the show plenty of times. Is yeah. there an interesting venue because they're one of the few places I've been that every night of the week they have bands and they have sure. bands from out of town. And, like, they, they exist as a bar and a music venue. It's never, oh, we just have music. Like, and their, mm-hmm. uh, well, their bathroom's bigger on the inside. Their bathroom <laughs> is bigger on the inside. I, I think it's a little... I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because I think it's a case of if you know a band and you like a band, then you'd probably be more interested in seeing them at a dedicated venue, which yeah. would be like a ballroom type setting. Sure. Yeah. In which case, people go there to see the music and you can count that's most of the audience. Yeah. But then there is always a problem with like mix and match venues where it's more a bar but we do music on the side. Then mm-hmm. you're going to get at least like 80% of the crowd there. It's not going to be people that are out there to see the band, but yeah. they're coming there to hang out. And for them, sometimes it's just a matter of like, oh, that's just a band in the background. They can't even hear themselves talk. Right. And it's like, Far be it for me from me to, to defend that because right. it's a shame because that is, I guess, ruining a lot of people's careers or at least well, it think, makes their their uh, their live shows very disheartening. But I think that's probably the the bulk of the reason. Well, I think it's born out of a social media problem too. Like now you're going to see a band because there's so much access. Mm-hmm. It's rather people like I like going to the way station just as an example because it's the bar I see the most music at. Yeah. I like going there and having no idea who's playing. 
or yeah. if, yeah. if my wife's band's playing, yeah. staying after for whoever's there and supporting them. Because that's how I discover new music. But a lot of people don't do that anymore. A lot of people go, oh, here's the Facebook event. I'm going to this one show yep. for this one band, and for I'm leaving friend. right after yeah. for my friend. And that's a big problem, I yeah. think. There are a couple points I want to bring up with that, too. I think... Uh, there, I think it's there's certain clicks and circles you need to kind of get into and learn about. Like yeah. you got to go to yeah. places where people are going out to, to going to see music specifically, not mm-hmm. to see one band, but like you said, to yeah. see music in general. Like there's a really big thriving basement punk scene mm-hmm. where all these in in Brooklyn, but you kind of have to know somebody because yeah. these places aren't advertised. Yeah. And so, but those people are showing up, you know, 40, 50 kids in a basement just to see music, you know, every night of the week, and it has nothing to do with who's necessarily playing that day. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a lot easier in other areas because the rent here is so high. Sure. For example, yeah. there's a huge rock scene building up uh, in the South, like in yeah. Atlanta, and especially in, like in New Orleans, where the rent is a lot cheaper and bars like, hey, you can just play. I spent a few days in New Orleans and I saw so much good music. And, yeah. it, and that week it was like, well, we went out every night to see music and my friend Sean, um, who I used to work at Mozilla with, he, I said, so what are we going to see? He said, it doesn't matter. We're going to go yeah. see music every night, and you're going to love everything, yeah. and it's all going to be different. And wow. it was unbelievable. And the best part about it was we went to see um, blues, and every kind of person of every age was in that room. Mm-hmm. We went to see punk another night, same thing. Like It was never just a sea of one kind of person, and mm-hmm. that was unbelievable to me because um, you don't see that in New York as much. I think another thing, too, that really kills the, the New York uh, rock scene and music scene in general is that there are a lot of these... Uh, booking companies in quotations yeah, and promotional yeah. companies and and as opposed to going straight through the venue and getting shows from the booker of the venue or the owner of the venue they set up show the, the these companies set up shows yeah and they kind of gouge prices yeah. they book bands that aren't good together they don't care they're yeah. not at the venues and then they put the onus on us to get to, people to, out to, to bring yeah. people out and so that's why you know the first band comes on they brought 50 people, yeah. they all leave. More of a rigorous yeah. screening process. Yeah. Be like, yeah. what's your popularity? Where have you been? Like, yep. you can only you have get a the chicken and the egg situation. How many likes you know? do you have? You yeah. need to get out there before uh, you get the likes. Totally. With our leans, we had, we had a situation like that where someone was like, hey, do you want to play our leans? We're like, cool. They're like, well, it's a big venue. You need to sell 45 tickets or something crazy for our leans. Yeah. And the tickets are, uh, if you buy them in advance, they're 14. And then they're 20 at, uh, the, door. at the door. And you're like, whoa. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck this! I don't want to deal with these people. I don't want to deal with that, that responsibility of having to do that because we're a new band. So yeah. I went to Arlene's and I walked up to the booker of the club, not yeah. the person that worked for this this mm-hmm. independent booking yeah. company, this promotion person. She's like, "Cool, you want a show? I'll book you. Whatever." I was like, "Oh, how many people? Would it be like what? Like, oh, tickets are eight bucks. Whatever. I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it's much different when you're dealing with the venue itself as opposed to." Quote independent unquote, booking like third agents. parties yeah. Yeah. well and a lot more venues now are doing like if they're a bar as well as a venue they'll do like no cover and the band gets tips and sometimes that yeah. can backfire on the band yeah. but, but a lot of the times you'll still get more out of it and also this is a big etiquette that I see dating someone in a, or being married in this case we've been married for a while so not dating anymore <laughs> married to someone in a band is um you stay for the next band because it's a respect thing. Like, it is, yeah. yeah. You don't want people to clear out, you, and that's you why, like, you op- like, and I'm seeing it a lot more in the New York scene than I used to. It was when I was younger, and then it stopped, and now I'm seeing it more again, where the band will stay for the next band at least for half their set. Mm-hmm. So yeah. their people who came to see them will also stay. Because if you clear out as soon as your set's done, so the people who came to see you, why would they stay if you're not going to stay? Especially if they're close friends with you, like, they're going to bail, and that's not great for music in general. Some of the best local artists that I've seen have 
played at the ass end of the evening. Yeah. <laughs> like at 2 a.m. Uh-huh. The, the last call to four, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't think the music scene in New York City is as close as it as it was because there's just yeah. so many more musicians, so many more people, and the internet age has created a huge diversification of genres. Well, and also there's less venues, I feel like there used to be. There's, there definitely, really, there's definitely more bands than venues, for CBGBs. sure. CBGBs. Like, yeah. we don't have that anymore. What yeah. is New yeah. York CBGBs? Yeah, I mean... Like, what is that venue? I guess I would say um, oh, it's the band that um, Afterbirth Monkey... Uh, the venue that Afterbirth Monkey plays out a bunch of a bunch it's in Manhattan I'm blanking on the name it'll come back to me later but like they have they ever did Sidewalk Cafe Sidewalk Cafe, Sidewalk Cafe. like yeah. I'd say that's the closest thing because every yeah. smaller band I know that rolls through here yeah. or a kind of punk band they'll play there but but that's really it, and they're still not even on the same level as CBGBs. Well, there was sure. a time when CBGBs was underground, you know, yeah, and then true. it became yeah. mainstream. No, so I, true. it's like he was saying, there, there is an underground scene. Glorifying it now, yeah. where at the time it was, yeah, yeah. Like, now it's going to be a glorified. Yeah. Like, In twenty years, we'll be saying, yeah. like, where is that place that we don't yeah. know about now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was. Yeah, I think it's 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 finding these basements, man. It's yeah. finding the places where these young kids are going and listening to music and and coming back every night of the week, where it's their hangout. Yeah. Um, a great band which I like and I, I gotta throw them out on here because I draw a lot of influence from the Screaming Females oh, they're amazing mm, yeah they're really good independent rock band from, from New Brunswick, New Jersey but they started in the New Brunswick basement scene and I was mm-hmm. like when I first heard that I was like New Brunswick has a basement yeah I was, I was like people in New Brunswick have basements so we want the water table like, I had no idea. <laughs> well, well yeah like my brother lives in East Brunswick and he's got yeah. like a, you know a two family home and it's like this big place and it's beautiful yeah. and I'm like wait you play a punk show at a place like that like <laughs> just, up, just to see yeah bring up uh, modern baseball like in the Menzingers the they, started, yeah, yeah. they started at the Drexel Hill basement scene the Drexel <laughs> University yeah. basement scene it's like you wouldn't even know those places existed yeah. unless you know you, you really have to go looking for it. Yeah. That's why, in all honesty, uh, present company notwithstanding, I don't hear of a lot of bands originating here in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's yeah, normally it's elsewhere, and then they move here, and the they go by the old axiom that, well, if you can make it in New York City, you can make it anywhere, which I still think applies in some sense, but I think it's actually oh. better if you have a head start elsewhere. That's yeah. the thing. Well, like, no, like, yeah. if you can make it in Jacksonville, Florida, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Well, actually, I got family out in California and uh, Santa Cruz area, and one of the places that I've been to every t- single time I've gone out there is a venue called The Catalyst, which um, I, I had stories of this venue growing up, uh, my dad going there and seeing like all of his favorite classic rock artists, all of his favorite southern rock artists, like Crosby, Stills, Nash supposedly got their start at this place. And it's still around. Um, 1970s like the scene for yeah. a lot of yeah. stuff that was happening at the time and yeah you're it seems right like, like we always harken like back the, to the 70s as this golden age well like, it was also one of the big transitional was, ages yeah. for like how music was consumed yeah uh, it was the, especially mid 60s onward because everybody was just showing up everywhere and just making music where they were as opposed to, you know, you have to go to XYZ and you're going to get this band and people go on those roving tours where they're going to be just doing like three songs in an auditorium and the next night they're in a, you know, 500 miles away in a different town yeah. doing three same songs in a different auditorium. Yeah. I think it introduced a surge of DIY artists. It, yeah, yeah it really did. Actually had a chance at real success, like yeah. big success. Obviously it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, Obviously, it's kind of both. It's it's a weird paradox of an era of the '70s because you have DIY kind of punk starting and mm-hmm. proto punk, uh, but then you also have the birth of like essentially arena rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. huge arena rock and, and and rock and roll bands, and also it almost feels like it's kind of like the rock rock and roll as a genre has imploded on itself and started over again. Yeah, like you had a all this, 
Yeah, like no, seriously, because you have all this. You, it happens every couple of years, every every ten, twenty years, because you have this mm-hmm. gigantic resurgence in arena rock in, in the in the seventies and the eighties gets even bigger with hair metal, and then just kind of woof, shrinks you down again in the nineties. Yeah, and then it blows up again in the late nineties. Yeah, and then you know with like you know Radiohead getting really popular, yeah. and, so, and then it shrinks mm-hmm. down again. Um, it's kind of fun. It always seems to me. I don't know, maybe because I'm uh, I read into it too much, and I like Hunter S. Thompson. That the genres of music, <laughs> no, you're going, yeah. the genres of music have a lot to do with the drugs that were popular in the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt sure. that at all. Sixties is love and free spirited, and that's that's the hippies and the acid movement and psychedelic rock. And then you have seventies, which is all like Bud and Coke, and then you get you know arena rock, and then you have cocaine, like really big cocaine in the eighties, and that's when you get like this excess of you know hair metal and glam and this kind of like selfishness that's that's promoted with, with obtaining wealth in like a weird way, mm-hmm. and then the nineties hit and then you get banned you get heroin which leads to grunge yeah. I was just going to say that exact same thing you get MDMA and raves yeah, you know? and yeah then, near and the then, end and yeah then, and then MDMA the 2000s yeah. is just garbage because we, we ran out of drugs <laughs> I mean it feels <laughs> like that I mean you got you got Molly you, got, you know well, the, the MDMA, flow it's, it's and the, yeah. same stuff as actually it's no it's people going back and picking whatever drugs they like from the past yeah. which is why we yeah. have a sort of you know now we're in pick the, from a smorgasbord of music or near the end of the tens and like I don't know now man. pot's legal in a couple states I'm from Colorado and I'm, yeah I'm bluegrass seeing, is really popular for some reason it's compartmentalized I'm, now I'm seeing a huge resurgence in, in because of uh um uh, MDMA and, and LSD, a huge resurgence of neo psychedelic bands. Yeah, that's for sure. Like yeah. MGMT, the Waves, Tame and Paula is that's all that stuff's coming back. The festival groups are coming back. Yeah, um, and then and we're culture. like we're looking back and saying let's make rock and roll fun again. Let's yeah, let's strip it down. Let's let's just smoke some weed and have some fun or. Well, I feel like that's important for a band's energy is to kind of, at the core of it, to just have fun. Because if you're having yeah. fun, people will have fun. I've seen countless live bands where they're just standing there on stage playing. And it's like, and you really love their music. You but can it's appreciate hot. the musicianship, but... Yeah, you, like, if you're at a live show, you want to be engaged. And also, our recording is so tight and so good now with, with modern technology. You can feel someone's energy through the yeah. recording. Absolutely, yeah. undoubtedly, you can feel the energy. And I think that's what I... To bring it back to you guys and your music, what I like about the new songs that I've heard so far in the, for the new EP is that you, re- you really do feel that energy through the recording. And I think that's really one of the more important things about music now, that if you're not going to make overtures worth of music, it needs to be fun. It needs to be engaging in any way. Because once it's not engaging, like, why even listen? Yeah. Well, that's the way we recorded what we did. Everything on those recordings is essentially done in one take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in one take all at the same time in isolated rooms so we're playing to each other it's not like he recorded drums and I laid down guitar and did that So you can first... definitely tell I didn't play to a click so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the first the first EP it's just it's just I'm he's he's in a booth I'm outside of the booth the vocals the ones you hear the, for the first EP the vocals you hear are the first time vocals the guitar you hear is played right then there mm-hmm. and we just we did three takes of each song we just picked the best one but those are all continuous there's no overdubs or edits this new one I had to re over I had to overdub bass and we had to do another day for vocals but instrumentally it's all it's all done, we all did it at the same time so we incorporate that to, live feel to it that organic sense almost the organic sense yeah. to it and because we didn't have a lot of money uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, well, and that's well that's the other days. like aspect of DIY like DIY it's DIY. DIY? Oh, well, I don't know. DIY. DUI. Do, That's do what I am right now. Yeah, DIY. Do, 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 exactly. do yourself. Do yourself before others. No, I, do you. like, it's, it's a glorious time right now because we can go in, we can start a band, and yeah. for $200 we can record <laughs> something. We can put it on Spotify. We can yeah, put it on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. We can put it on 
all these venues for people to hear, but so can everyone else. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it, some can sound amazing. Some can sound fun. Some can sound like garbage. Yeah. But well, we, it's like content. Well, There's so much content right now. That's one little throwback just to the previous conversation of like the place that you make your music in. Mm-hmm. I do think that was the big distinction between New York and the rest of the country yeah. because there it it's more likely that if you're from somewhere else, you know, anywhere USA, then the venue will be scrounging to find artists. There yeah. may just not be that many in the area. So it's like you want to do a show? Sure. No, I don't really care about your resume. What can can you play? Can you play? Yeah. We need someone tonight, right? Whereas here they're really looking at all that like oh, everyone can make music it's so, a resume like, you have to have your resume with yeah. you you have to apply not to keep going back to uh, stand up but um, it's it's. I think the music scene is similar in New York City where there's just is an overexposure and oversaturation of the market mm-hmm. um, being in, in New York uh, people were like oh my god you were stand up in New York City you must have made so much money like it's so crazy out there but to be honest whether you're a, a, a regular comic or you're Louis C.K. or you're Dave Chappelle the, the standard rate for a doing a 15 minute set is $20 yeah. At any club, the biggest yeah. clubs. Mm-hmm. And the reason, how you make money doing this, first of all, you either do seven sets in a night and you pass at all these clubs, which is hard to do if you don't have a TV credit. Or you go to towns where there's, there's not as much of an oversaturation. You know what I mean? There's not 20 comics in one two-hour show. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not an $8 thing. You pay $30, you go with, it's a $2-drink you know, two, minimum. You, you and your wife go out in Oklahoma to the only comedy club in town. <laughs> to the seats, funny bone. To the funny bone. That seats 400 <laughs> people, and the, you know, the, the comics get maybe a, ha- a deal door, half of the door, a certain percentage of the door. And I think the, the New York music scene is the same way. It's like when we play shows... And we actually like make any uh, any remote money. It's like we found the leprechaun. We're <laughs> like, oh yeah. my god, yeah, we get twenty dollars. Yeah. Maybe we can split a drink. But, but and like you know, because yeah. of the oversaturation, because you're expected to bring everyone to the venue, because like it's just, it's a grind. It 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 is kind of a grind, but. It's expected here in New York City. But I think it yeah. leads back to what you were talking about, about putting out music constantly online. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in an age now where that's where you'll make money. Yeah. And not a ton. And even if you put, like, one free song by itself out, and then you put an EP that's $4 or, or $5, like, people have access. And because it's so easy to get on iTunes or get on Bandcamp now, people are way more willing to pay for music than they were even five yeah. years ago or two years ago. Well, there's not a magical musical gatekeeper anymore yeah. to get in the business to a <laughs> yeah. degree. Like this, the, the studios or the, 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 uh, the, the record yeah. company system is done. Um, it's but, dying. But it's but if there, not dead. There is, a, there is sort of a gatekeeper in the sense of, of social media and exposure and sometimes even if you're not a great band but you're popular and people like you for whatever reason, you, you, can, you can become you know, viral and crazy famous. Yeah. Everyone wants to get a viral video and be uh, get a viral hit and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, there's, there's not, there's not a system anymore in place no. like it used to be where you can just, you know, get signed, get signed. go to a showcase. Like we were talking about Royal Blood earlier. Uh, they, they came out their first album, their first album as a duo group. And I think 2014, yeah, a couple years ago, 20, yeah, 2014, I think their first album, uh, it charted in the UK they went to, uh, they got asked to do uh, like a small set at Glastonbury, or whatever. They were still kind of unknown to a degree. Um, but the reason, they, now they te- they, uh, they tour with the Pixies and the Foo Fighters. Right. And the reason why that happened is because Dave Grohl was watching another band 
uh, on YouTube for Glastonbury, and it, that little autoplay came up, and it said, up next, Royal Blood, and he, it just accidentally played, and then they played through, and he's like, get me these guys to open for me, <laughs> and everyone has that weird expectation of like, maybe, maybe, maybe someone will just see me, maybe someone, maybe Dave Grohl is sitting up there listening to a Fisk uh, track on YouTube, <laughs> or something. Right. Well, that's um, kind of strange, hope. because, I mean... On one hand, it could be seen as a little more fair, like there's less opportunity for corruption, so it's fairer, but that True. that kind of reduces it to the basic element, like the fundamental, you're looking for the it factor, and that's all it comes yeah. down to. And the it factor can be very, very flighty, very, very fickle from person to person. And the, the it factor the doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't it, mean talent, though, necessarily. Yeah, it no, doesn't, exactly. sure. it doesn't it at all. It could be a kitschy video. Yeah. Yeah. It could be uh, especially on uh, YouTube. Call me maybe. Yeah, which is you know, only popular because of the hook in the video. Uh, yeah, Justin Bieber. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, That's why I, I use uh, the word fairness very loosely. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, before we wrap up the show, since we have in studio, uh, CC has arrived. I want to introduce CC, your bassist. CC, say hi to the listeners. Hello, I'm CC. And uh, can you just quickly give us a little bit about your music background? How long you've been playing bass and singing, and kind Influences. of like what your influences Pretty much are. Your whole life. Yeah, everything. just give us. Your entire career. You got okay. five minutes. I'm from China, so we don't really have rock and roll music when I grew up. It's all communist music. And oh, we can't oh, even. No. She's can't already much. more badass than we are. Like, we, can't, we can't hear much pop music from like English, but only from Hong Kong or Taiwan area. So all those uh, CD I can get singing in English is with a hole in it because they were they're not go to the market, but they got destroyed by the custom in China. Oh shit. So we can buy it from under the market. So some people oh, they get wow. it from the border and then sell in the market, that's where I can get. So usually I can hear the same the whole album. I can't finish it because they're gonna stuck get stuck in the C D player because yeah. they only hear a few songs. <laughs> so it's wow. like you get like damaged records. Yeah I got damaged records exactly. Oh, wow. And then I, I found the Ramones so I like them. And oh. that's where I started <laughs> That's awesome. Great great <laughs> great place to start. Yeah. That's the best origin story ever. And I was like oh, cool um, I wanna play in the band too. And, and how long have you been in, in the United States for? Uh four years. Four years. Yes. And um and so have you been playing uh bass this whole time? Uh, when I was in college in China, mm-hmm. um, I went to this um, college which, which is a focus in IT, so it's mostly guys, mm-hmm. and very rare has girls. So I, I played this band with the four other guys, but we, I don't really know how to write a song that time. Uh, all we do is um, copy <laughs> Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, we think they're pretty dope. And yeah. at that time, China market is much more open, so you can get, you know, real CD, like sure. Bon Jovi's already. So we copied um, Bon Jovi, and then we tried to cover some Garden Roses too, but the skills were very limited. So we just like, and some Hong Kongese um, rock and roll, but right now just like pop music. But we we think as long as you have five people in the band, that's rock and roll. So we just <laughs> we just, co- we just cover anything we think we'll be able to cover. Cover and then oh, wow. yeah. And then, and then I've heard that you write, and uh, you've been writing your own music, and you were a front yeah. person for a band for a while. Right. And how did you kind of did you start learning writing based on music from China, or was it once you started hearing rock and roll, you wanted to write like that? It's just uh, I don't know. It's just because um, I left China um, seven years ago. I went to Europe to study mm-hmm. first, and then I got very bored of my life and how many friends. So I got a guitar, like a secondhand guitar, and then started to write music. I guess the life forced me to. Wow, that's yeah. really interesting. I think, you know, that's a, a very unique place to come from, especially, you know, writing in music in New York now, like, background for these guys being in metal, punk bands, playing a basement, like, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty standard, and so, like, and also they told us about how you kind of reached out to them about it um, after hearing their music, um, 
you know, clearly you had limited access growing up to, right. to rock and roll. Now, when you want to discover new music, now that you're here and you can kind of find it anywhere, what do you lean more towards? Towards what kind of music do you prefer to kind of explore? Um, I still love punk, like because yeah. you know I love you know I remove my favorite band, like so I just okay. want to keep going to that way, and I feel more comfortable playing punk music too because I feel I have better understanding of it because I listen to so many of them. And the best thing happening in New York is I went to Rancid's live. Rancid? Like, yeah, oh, last nice. year. Oh, very I was cool. like, I can die without Greg right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, basically, yeah, I don't know many bands, but the limited access I have is always punk music. So that's why I was like passionate about it. Very well, you had cool. to go that's through awesome. three continents to find your stride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd that's say it's pretty much proven. Yeah, that's <laughs> the awesome. coolest part is like you were a punk just to listen to punk because it was so rebellious just yeah. to get those underground CDs. That's like, really oh. cool. Yeah, exactly, right? Because awesome. they also have others, but I just happened to pick Ramones one. I happened to listen to them. So yeah. you started really like you started up here. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good place to start. It's a lot below what you started with, so at least at least you got something good right away. Well, we're glad to be able to get you in the studio, even though briefly. So thank you for joining us you. um do you guys want to have shows you want to promote obviously well, let's yeah. start with the ep talk about the ep and when it, when when the date it's coming out even if it's dated date it's coming out and where they can find it uh, it's coming out probably what wednesday of next week probably so what day well, would that be uh, <laughs> it'll be october it'll, the 28th 20th. No, oh, or, oh no a, a week from that right we'll say we'll say what we'll say october 3rd we'll say okay october 3rd, october 3rd? 3rd is when okay we'll great that's monday uh this month no First to Saturday. Oh my god! I didn't mean. To I can't you. believe that. It's yeah, exactly. coming out in the next. Within the By next the time we hear this, it'll be. It'll out. be out. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll be December. in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we'll have yeah. it in the show notes. We'll have probably by December. We'll have a um, an Indiegogo or GoFundMe campaign um, to record the album to to go upstate for an entire week and not feel rushed or mm-hmm. pressured and just kind of stay up there and, and finish everything early next year. Um, we'll probably have uh, what some probably music video or something. Yeah, we're definitely going to do a music video. A friend cool. of ours, uh, Eric Ford, is going to help us with the music video. For I love Eric songs. Ford, good dude. There um, you go. I'm a friend and, of his. And Nate Smith. And Nate Smith. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, uh, for coming up for shows uh, October 14th. We're playing at Shillelaghs uh, Bar in Astoria at 11 p.m. October 16th, that Sunday, we're playing at Auto Shrunken Head on 14th. Oh, nice. Yeah, awesome. 14th and B, great venue uh, with the awesome uh, 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 Frank. Frank Woods is like a promoter in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well-known dude. And then we're playing October 25th. We're playing Arlene's Grocery. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I, I also have a show on the 21st with my other project called Tara and the Dactyls. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> right? Fantastic. Uh, that's with Tara Warman and uh, our bassist Jacob. Uh, we're playing the Delancey. On oh, the 21st. Cool. All right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, where can people find you on the internet? Are you on the Twitters and Facebook? Oh, Twitters. Uh, I recommend people don't follow me on Twitter because yeah. I tweet some crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I forget my Twitter, uh, honestly. But we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash fiskNYC. And then uh, fiskNYC.bandcamp.com is our bandcamp. Uh, once we record our new album next year, that'll be on Spotify and iTunes. And we'll, have a, we'll probably have a website, fiskNYC.com, starting next year. And, and you can also check out our old EP on yeah, the bandcamp. Uh, uh, oh, and Paper Street Panic. Paper Street Panic, yeah. old band too. It's all on the bandcamp stuff. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for uh, joining us. And Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, we appreciate having you. Um, I'm going to have you do our sign off in a minute, but we're first going to just briefly get into what we're doing next week. So, John, it's your pick for an album next week. And what the hell are we doing? I was at a loss because I couldn't, there was nothing I really wanted to actually review that I knew about coming up. So I, I really just started looking for experimental stuff. And I came across a gentleman by the name of Tim Hecker 
who had the words electronic, ambient, and modern classical smudged together to describe him. <laughs> and I was like, electric, modern classical is something that we just haven't even like come near. And then I previewed this a little bit, and it was really weird. So I think I found something really weird that I'm hoping provokes. I like weird. Let's get back yeah. to weird. Is it, we is it as weird as Yugen? Yeah. Uh, actually, I saw one website mentioned it along in the same breath. Really? Yes. Oh, like the same paragraph was talking about weird stuff and both of them were mentioned. So who knows? Okay, that freaks me out. But it is, it is Love Streams by Tim Hecker. All right. All right. Love, love stream sounds very sexual. Yeah. And it was recorded in Iceland. Like Ooh. this guy's actually he, right. that, that's that's where his project is. So it's it's another it's it's got oh, so a weird color scheme going on. <laughs> it's it's interesting looking. At uh, least. <laughs> All right. <laughs> interesting is good. Um before we finish again, I want to talk about the final song we're gonna feature on the podcast, which is Red Eye Flight, um, is what we're gonna close with. But and now I'm sounding a little redundant. Before we finish again, gentlemen and lady of Fisk, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so it's much, guys. It's a pleasure to have you on. Awesome. I would ask you to do us a favor and read our sign-off, which we've put on a tablet so you don't uh, screw oh, it up. nice. And so we would Wait, love you. Do you wanna, can we say it all in unison? Yeah, sure. Right. So this is our sign-off. This is Fisk Ready? signing us off for this week okay, on Crash Chords. Three, two, one. <laughs> no, 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 we are obviously musicians. Good. good. Okay. Music, Music is life and life is good.
If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.